Welcome to Not The Way I Planned. I'm Carly Cash, and if you have ever found yourself thinking, this is not the way I thought my life would turn out, you've come to the right place. Each week we'll have inspiring interviews, plus tips and tricks to living your best life, even if it's not the life you planned. The inspiration behind this podcast comes from me sitting on my couch one day, looking at my life and thinking, once again, this is not the way I planned it. This is not the way I thought my life was going to turn out. I have no idea how I got to this place, but I'm here and I got to get out of it. I've got to move forward. I've got to find happiness in my life. And as these thoughts started going through my head, I started thinking about you. All of the people that go through these challenges in life, that end up taking these different paths, that end up just having challenges handed to them that they never thought they would ever have to face. And then navigating through those challenges. What do we do when we end up being in a spot in life thinking those thoughts of like, this is not the way it was supposed to work out. This is not the way it was supposed to be. So on this first episode, I'm going to just introduce myself a little bit and the various ways that my life has not gone the way that I planned. And quite honestly, (laughs) as I was thinking about things, my life has not gone according to plan from day one, like literally day one, because my mom gave birth to me when she was 29 weeks pregnant. I was born weighing two pounds, two ounces, and I guarantee you that is not the way my mother thought that her first pregnancy was going to go. And we're going to talk to her in a few weeks about that experience. But from that first introduction into life, things were a little different than everyone thought they would be. Probably even me in that infant body as I was hooked up to wires and tubes and I wasn't with my mother, I probably did think like, wow, this is not the way I expected life to be. I don't know what was going through my head at that time. But it seems like this has been a common theme in my life. My childhood was not what I would say a typically bad childhood, but it was full of chaos, chaos that I didn't navigate through and understand until I became an adult. And we won't really get into that so much on this episode, but I remember as a little girl sitting up in my room where I spent a lot of my time because I was always in trouble. I remember thinking thoughts like I cannot wait to get out of this house, to get out from underneath the thumb of my parents and to create my own life someday. And I really, truly thought, maybe most children feel this way, but I just thought in my little naive mind that if I did all the, quote, right things, I would have this beautiful life. And the way I viewed a beautiful life back then was that I would have that big house, that I would make money, would have a nice boat out front. I thought I would be beautiful. I thought I would have the handsome rich husband and the darling little children that would go to private school. I I thought that this is what created the good life, these monetary things. And 
as I navigated through adulthood, I quickly came to understand that despite making all of those right choices, going to college, getting my degree, marrying the nice guy, life's not that easy. It's not that easy for most of us. And even the people that you look at and you think, man, they've got it made. They've got that big house. They've got the boat out front and they've got that handsome husband and they look amazing. They don't have to battle their weight or whatever it is. I guarantee you they have a story that they have things in their life that have not turned out the way that they planned. I think my sister is a good example of this. She was always, even growing up, the type of person that it was just like, man, life just comes easy for you. She was the golden child. She could do no wrong in my parents' eyes. And when she went through the dating game in high school and and early college, boys liked her. You know, she was the homecoming queen. She was that girl that had a ton of friends and it just has always seemed that life has come easy for her. She married that guy that ended up making a ton of money. She's got the big house. But even in her life, when I look at her life, there have been challenges that she could have never, ever imagined. She ended up having twin boys. She's got an older son and then, and then ended up having twin boys. And that was a challenge that she could have never anticipated. She was put on bed rest and felt so helpless and out of control during her pregnancy. And then the challenge of having twins is a challenge that I think you can only know if you've had twins yourself. It's not something that I can relate to. But it's crazy hard. You've got baby times too. And it's just, like I said, one of those challenges that I can't relate to, but it's got to be really difficult. But one of the biggest challenges for my seemingly perfect sister has been getting pregnant again. She so badly wanted another baby. And maybe this sounds wrong, but she wanted a little girl. She wanted to have, she had these three amazing boys and she wanted the experience of raising a little girl. And it just hasn't happened for her. She's been trying to have another baby for over five years now. And it just hasn't happened. And she's been real proof to me that no matter how seemingly perfect someone's life is, there are things that they are going through. And if we all get to this place where we can be open about those struggles, we can gain strength from each other and we can lift each other up and we can navigate through the storm. It has been the stories of other women, of other people that have made me sit back and look at whatever I was going through and say, you know what? If she can do it, I can do it. It's happened time and time again. And that's what I want to give you with this podcast is the stories of other people that will help you get through whatever you are going through. Even if it's something that is not totally relatable, it's a topic that you're like, well, I haven't gone through that specifically. I guarantee you, you will find strength in others. It is so empowering. So back to a little bit about me, some of the key things in my life that have just gone not according to plan were as I entered adulthood. So, um, We'll start with when I was dating. I was never naturally popular with the boys, (laughs) no matter how hard I tried. 
I was like totally flat chested in high school, looked like I was about 12 years old. So the boys were just not interested in me. And uh, that did not go the way that I thought it would. I thought, you know what? I'm a nice girl. I'm a cute girl. Boys will like me. And they didn't. I didn't go to the high school dances. I didn't have a boyfriend. And I felt like everyone around me could figure this dating thing out. And I couldn't do it. And it was so frustrating to me. And I came from this household where my parents were high school sweethearts. So I thought that's the way it's supposed to go. You find that sweetheart in high school and then you marry them and you have a family and you live happily ever after. It's that easy. It was not that easy. When I was a senior in high school, I did end up finally getting that coveted boyfriend. And I thought, this is it. This is the guy for me. And I'm going to be the perfect girlfriend And he's going to totally fall madly in love with me. And we're going to get married someday. And despite my efforts, that's not what happened. He broke up with me and broke my heart. And I was left thinking like, okay, that was my plan. (laughs) Now what do I do? So in my brokenheartedness, I probably made a lot of bad decisions. I was super depressed. All of that stuff we go through when we go through heartbreak so many times. But fast forwarding a couple years later, I ended up meeting a guy at work. And he was nothing like the boys that I had been interested in. Nothing. I always liked the bad boy. I always wanted that guy that I could fix. I don't know why we love that as women, but for some reason, a lot of us are attracted to that. This was the nice guy. This was the guy that was going to come in and save the day. And like I mentioned, I I had kind of a tumultuous childhood. I was the black sheep of the family. So to my parents, when this guy entered the picture, he was the superhero. He was going to rescue them, (laughs) I guess in a sense, take me away, and we were going to live this fairy tale life. And... If I'm being completely honest, even in the very beginning stages of that relationship, I knew something was wrong. Something just didn't feel right. But I pressed forward because in some ways he did fit within my plans. Because like I spoke about earlier, I thought that the ideal adult life included having money and having things that made the outside world look at you and see success. And this young man had come from a very successful family. And I looked at him and thought, you know what? This is the type of guy that's going to make money and money's going to lead to happiness. And that's how my naive mind worked at 20 years old. He was also the type of guy that for once in my life, I felt like I didn't have to work really hard to get his attention or to get his approval. He just liked me. I didn't even have to be someone that I wasn't. He just seemed to like me, which was super nice. But there was something not right about it. I felt like instead of being an equal partner that I was above him that this was one person that I could have control for once. 
I never dreamed in a million years that he would ever leave me because divorce happens to other people. Like that, that was not going to be my life. And 15 years after we got married, we ended up going through a divorce. And I can honestly say probably 80% of that divorce was my fault because of unrealistic expectations that I set out, because I was constantly trying to change who he was, because deep, deep down, I don't think that I was truly in love with him. I was in love with the idea of being married. I was in love with the idea of having a family and combine that with this guy that's a super nice guy. He's the type of guy that I've said it time and time again. You meet him and it's like, I've never met anyone, hardly, that doesn't like him. He's not a jerk. He's not off-putting in social settings. And so I failed in so many ways in that relationship. Not to say that he didn't have his faults because I really truly believe that in most romantic relationships that fail, it is a combined effort there. It's just unless you have physical or emotional abuse, there are contributing factors from both parties in almost every case. And that was certainly the case with us. One of the other things that did not go according to plan when I started my family and I was in those early days of adulthood was some challenges that came with having my kids. I remember even getting pregnant was a little bit harder than I anticipated. It took us about a year to get pregnant. And when I finally got that positive test, I was so excited. But I made like really silly assumptions like, oh, I'm sure I'll just have a girl because I know how to take care of girls and I've been around girls my whole life and I love pink, so it would be way more fun to shop for a girl or pick out a girl name. And I ended up having a little boy. And I remember sitting there feeling so guilty that I was a little bit disappointed that I was having a boy. Like it kills me to even say that out loud right now because I love my boy. Like my boy is amazing. And I ended up having a daughter as well. And she's equally awesome. But it just wasn't the way that I saw things playing out. And so because it was different, I struggled with it. And I had to navigate learning how to be a good mom to a boy and and doing all of those boy things. And I grew a lot from that. I still grow in that area, trying to connect with him and, you know, finding ways to relate to my little boy. But the biggest challenge that has come with being a parent happened when my son Boston was 18 months old. And mind you, I set out when I became a mother, I told myself I was going to be the best mother on the planet. I was not going to make any of the mistakes that my mother had made. I was going to be the best A number one mom. And I think a lot of moms go through that thinking that they're going to be perfect. So I read all of the books. I tried to do all of the right things once again and just met a lot of unexpected challenges. So he was not reaching milestones as quickly as other children. He was a little slow to roll over, a little bit slow to crawl, didn't walk until he was 15 months old. But our pediatrician just kept saying, like, he's fine. Don't worry. He's fine. 
When Boston was about 18 months old, he had a handful of words. He was slow to talk, just like he had been slow with other things, but I wasn't greatly concerned. And one day I remember having Oprah on in the background. This was back when she was on in the afternoon. And her guest that day was Jenny McCarthy, who was talking about her son Evan's battle with autism. And as I listened to this show, I thought in my mind, I remember having this exact thought. I thought, I am so grateful that is not my life and that is not my little boy because my little boy is going to be the football star someday and he's going to have lots of friends and all of the girls and he's not going to be anything like I was as a child or a teenager. He is going to be perfect. So I'm so glad that I don't have these challenges of something like autism in my life. Shortly after that, as I was bathing Boston one night, I noticed that he was being really stubborn about pointing to his body parts and he just seemed disconnected. And little by little, night after night, as I'd get him in the tub, I couldn't get him to say certain words that he had said before. He was losing language instead of gaining language. And when we would play with the other kids, he wasn't connecting with them like I saw other kids connecting. And he would throw these huge fits over seemingly nothing. I just couldn't understand it. I thought, is this what the terrible twos looks like? I don't know. But there was something in my gut that just said, something's not right here. Mother's intuition is so real. And I just knew deep down inside something was not right. So I started vocalizing this to other parents. I called up my sister. I talked to my friends. And they all reassured me that everything was fine. That I was being a paranoid first-time mom. That he was a boy. That boys are stubborn. And so I kept telling myself, it's okay. He's going to start talking more. Everything is going to be fine here. I signed him up for an early intervention program through our community, got him a speech therapist, thought this is the ticket, we'll get him talking, and life will go on. I also at this time started Googling his symptoms, and one word would come up every single time I Googled his symptoms, and that word was autism. (sighs) No matter how many times I wanted those Google search results to be different, autism came up. And I thought, not my little boy. No way. This cannot be happening to our family. So as we went through the early intervention process, they told me that he needed to go see a psychologist. And I thought, silly. He's about to turn two years old. Like, why does he need to see a psychologist? There's nothing mentally wrong with a toddler that just seemed ludicrous to me. But I made the appointment and I told my husband, you don't need to go. This is a ridiculous appointment that I have to go through because of early intervention. I'll call and let you know how it goes. We walked into the doctor's office. Well, let me back up just a little bit. I remember pulling up to the location and outside it said something about Center for Children with Special needs. And I thought, special needs? 
my son does not have special needs. My son was born with 10 fingers and 10 toes, and he has an incredible infectious laugh, and he's perfect. He does not have special needs. But we went inside. Boston and I met with the psychologist who started doing a series of seemingly simple tests, seeing if Boston would respond to his name, playing bubbles, doing little, you know, tasks with shapes. And I thought, Boston's doing a really good job. (laughs) Like, we're going to walk out of here and he's going to tell me, your son is fine. Do the speech therapy. He's going to be a-okay. That's not what happened. I sat there, and at this point, I was pregnant with baby number two. My daughter Jocelyn was about to be born the next month, and I'm sitting there with my super pregnant belly. The doctor looks me in the eyes and says, I'm sorry, but your son has an autism spectrum disorder. And my stomach just dropped. I thought, no way. No way. that Not my son. So I started asking all of these questions. Like, what does this mean for him? What is his life going to look like? And he said, first off, your son doesn't understand you. And that was shocking to me. I thought, I thought he at least understood what I was saying to him, even if he couldn't express the words himself verbally. But he said he doesn't understand when you talk to him. He may never be in a regular classroom. He's always going to struggle socially. And quite frankly, he may never be an independent adult. He handed me a stack of papers. I walked out of that office into what just seemed like a complete fog. Got into my car, called my parents called my husband, went home, sat on the floor with my two-year-old little boy and just sobbed. I thought, where do we go from here? And I felt so alone. I felt like all of my neighbors had kids similar ages and they didn't have any of these problems. All of a sudden, I was in this different world and I didn't know what we were going to do. So I started taking action. That's always been something that's been empowering to me and I started researching like crazy and reaching out to other moms, finding other moms that had children on the autism spectrum and I got him into tons of therapy And tried to do all of the right things in another attempt to be the perfect mom. And those years were really, really hard. They were all consuming. It was like I just became fixated on getting my little boy better. Looking back, there wasn't even really anything to cure because I view his autism spectrum disorder so differently now that he's 12. But back then... I felt like I needed to fix the problem. In the chaos of all of this, and having my daughter, and she was super colicky, in all of this craziness in our lives, I got a phone call one day pretty much offering me my dream job. 
I had originally gone to college wanting to be a TV news reporter. And when I did my senior internship, I interned with a local TV station. And quite honestly, I hated it. I remember going out to the parking lot, crying all the time and thinking, what am I going to do now? I've invested all of this time into getting my education. I thought this was what I wanted to do with my life, and I don't want to do it. And long story short, I ended up in radio. I ended up being a traffic reporter for some local radio stations. And I got a call one day offering me the position pretty much to co-host this morning's show. It wasn't quite mine at that point, but I had this opportunity to become the co-host on a very popular morning radio show. So it was like this light in all of this chaos that I was going through in life with Boston and the autism and my daughter and her being super colicky. And I was, you know, pretty much a stay at home mom at that point. I was just working part time. And so this opportunity was so empowering that I could pursue something that I wanted to, that I could pursue this job that really kind of propelled me into the spotlight and made me feel like, hey, look at me now. I know you didn't want to take me to prom, but I'm on the radio, so I'm super cool. (laughs) Showed my parents that, look, I'm not a total failure in life. I started this job on the heels of doing 40 hours a week of therapy with my son, Boston, and being so consumed in that to becoming a little over-focused on my newfound career. And in the midst of all of this, I lost my marriage. I lost my relationship with my husband. And even though looking back, there was trouble from the very beginning, even though from the very beginning, I can look back and see like, oh, I was trying to change who he was. I was trying to make him into the bad boy that I thought I always wanted. I, you know, was arrogant in that relationship, thought I was a little bit better than him in various ways, which I'm so ashamed to admit, but that's kind of the attitude that I had in that relationship. And it was like, All of these factors combined together started breaking down my marriage. And I wasn't working at it either. I would come home from a long day with work and the kids. I put the kids to bed. I had to get up super early for my morning show on the radio. And so we didn't have those conversations at the end of the day. We didn't sit down and enjoy a television program together. We didn't do things like date night the things that are so essential to keeping that relationship going. And so the marriage started breaking down. And for a very long time, I thought it's going to be okay because things like this don't happen to me. I have this perfect little family. We literally looked like we came off of a Hallmark card or, or the commercial on television was like, you know, the boy and the girl and the perfect family of four that goes to Disneyland. I never saw that failing or breaking apart. Even if the marriage wasn't perfect, it was perfect to the outside world. And I wanted to maintain that image so badly. I wanted the white picket fence. 
I wanted all of the things that can come with having that family. But because we neglected so many of the problems in our relationship, it just got to a point where it couldn't be repaired and it couldn't be ignored. And we weren't both together willing to work on things or repair things. And there were things in our marriage that quite honestly were just not repairable at this point. At this point, we'd been married for 15 years and I realized all of a sudden uh, after reading one of my friend's stories about her divorce, I was like, this relationship is not right. Like I have made choices in this relationship. He has made choices in this relationship that have put us in this horrible place. I really truly think we cannot get out of it. And and I think with most things you can, you can crawl out of it if you're really truly in love and and you, your relationship is is right at the core. But I couldn't get out of it. And so we filed for divorce. And we had to set our little kids down and have that conversation. And I am telling you, if you've never been through divorce, it is every bit as bad as they ever show on TV or you read about telling those kids mom and dad are getting divorced and he's moving out or she's moving out or whatever and things are never going to be the same. It is horrible. Like I will never forget my kids bursting into tears in that moment. But I knew here I am in this place that I never thought I would be And after I got through all of the depression of that, which honestly can can last years, but as I started navigating through things and trying to be there for the kids and maintain a positive attitude, I realized once again that I had some power, that I was in this place that I never thought I would be, but that I could get out of it, that I could be the best ex-wife I could ever possibly be, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not perfect, but I try to be a good ex-wife and that I could be a good co-parent with him and that I could give our children a good upbringing, even though it looked nothing like I planned for them. Nothing. We didn't have the big house. We weren't taking the luxury vacations. My children are not enrolled in private school, and now they can say they come from a broken home. My ex-husband lives down the street and we pass children back and forth between the two houses. It's crazy. But I knew that it could be okay. And I think that is one of the most empowering things when you're going through something really tough is when you finally realize it's going to be okay because it has to be okay. There is no other alternative here. You have to have that hope. Having that hope is one of the key components in getting through anything that this crazy life hands our way. If you have hope, no matter how seemingly small, you can move forward. You can do something with that situation to get yourself in a better place. So hope is really, there there are three things I want you to keep in mind if you're going through something super tough and you've landed in this place where you're like, ugh, my life looks nothing like I thought it would. It is not the way I planned. 
I want you to try to hold on to that hope. Even when you feel hopeless, find it somewhere because it will give you strength to move mountains. The other thing that I want you to do is take action of some sort. When Boston was diagnosed with autism, action for me was getting him into the right therapy programs, doing therapy with him myself. When I went through my divorce, it was taking action by becoming a better mom than I had been. I had been a ghost in my house for years and years because my relationship with my husband wasn't good. So even though I was seemingly doing all of the right things with the kids, I was not the mom that I hoped I would be. I wasn't present. But I knew that that was something that even though I'd gone through a divorce, I could take action and be more present in their lives. I could take action and be better towards this person who was now my ex-husband and treat him the way I probably should have treated him when we were married. I could take action and bring happiness back into my life and into the lives of my children. The third thing you need to remember when you're in one of those tough spots is that you are not alone. And trust me, there have been so many times that I have thought I am the only person on the planet going through this. No one can relate to me. One of those times was when I was diagnosed with scoliosis. So that's an abnormal curvature of the spine. And I ended up going through major back surgery. I've got 28 screws in my back, two steel rods. I'm kind of like the robotic woman. But when I was going through my battle with scoliosis, I felt like no one else can relate to this. Everyone else I see has these perfectly beautiful straight backs. And I look in the mirror and I feel like a monster. But through the grace of God, and this is one of the positive things about social media these days, I was able to find other women that had gone through scoliosis or had scoliosis. And I was like, okay, I can tackle this. I'm not alone. I found that with everything that I've ever gone through that was tough, whether it was losing a job, which I lost that job that I initially got, that dream job being the co-host on the morning show. Um, I ended up finding a different job co-hosting on a radio morning show. So I I still kind of have that dream job. But when you're in these different places, you can just oftentimes feel like nobody else gets it. They don't understand this life that I'm leading. They don't understand what I'm feeling inside. Their life looks perfect. And once again, trust me, it is not. And once again, I promise you, if you seek it out, You're not alone. One other guarantee I will give you, (laughs) because I always thought, and this is, you know, I don't know how you'll take this, but one thing that I always thought in my life, this thought would often come into my mind, was I can't wait for all of these struggles to be over so I can be happy someday. (laughs) I can't wait for those blissful years where nothing is going on that's wrong. And I relayed this to a dear friend of mine and he said, you know, I was talking to my mom about that one day and I said, I just, I'm going through a bunch of garbage and I can't wait until it's over because I just want to be happy in life. And she said, you're never going to be happy in life if that's your expectation for life because life is about 
this series of challenges. Some of them big, some of them small. But when you get through one, you're going to face another and then another one and another one. And even if you get to a place in maybe your own life where you feel like things are going pretty good, your kids are going to have challenges that break your heart. And that was life-changing for me. That message was so life-changing for me because my expectations for this crazy world became different. I thought, you know what? She's absolutely right. I'm going to continue to face these challenges. My life is probably going to continue to go not the way that I planned. It's not going to look like exactly what I thought it would look like. But how do I get through it? And how do I become a better person because of it? Because the more that I process this life, it is not a test that we are going to either pass or fail. To me, this life is all about learning. What did we gain? How did we grow? How did we take these challenges and move mountains and become a bigger, better version of ourselves? How did we help other people? That's what this podcast is all about. Helping other people with your stories. And as we tackle different issues, we're going to tackle all sorts of things from heartbreak to infertility to adoption to drug and alcohol addiction. I mean, there are no parameters here. But as we tackle those issues and as you hear these stories, I hope that you will find strength in others and that you will feel inspired to do those three things that are going to help you get out of that really bad spot that you're in. I hope that you can find and hold on to that hope because once again, that's going to carry you through anything. Second of all, I hope that it encourages you to take action because that action is so empowering and it will carry you through your darkest days. Take action. Get out of bed. Do something that will better your life or the lives of others, even if it's so small, even if it's just something with your own kids or you pursuing a hobby or volunteering, or maybe it's just getting out of bed and trying to be present, just a little more present in your children's lives, taking that action, holding on to that hope, and then connecting with others. Because I promise you, when you don't feel alone anymore, when you feel like, you know what, this person over here went through something similar to what I'm going through, and they've navigated through it, and they've found success, and they've found happiness, you will know that you can do that too. You may feel so weak inside, but you can do that too. So even though your life probably looks not the way you planned, I hope that you will join me on this journey, that you will listen to all of these stories from amazing women that I've met in my life, that you will share your story, and that together we can navigate through this crazy thing we call life. Thank you for joining this edition of Not The Way I Planned. If you liked what you heard, you can find more at notthewayiplanned.com as well as Not The Way I Planned on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.